Well, tough stuff for everybody involved, but not so much for me. I fell asleep at the end of the third quarter of that game. Oh, like you legitimately did that. Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't just a bit. (laughs) I didn't feel like I was missing a whole lot, but in a way, in a way, I missed quite a lot. So you seriously fell asleep in the third quarter of the game? Yeah, I vaguely remember uh, Eculiota like putting up like a very measly like four, you know, like for the fourth quarter. But Mm. so like I, I obviously was like dozing at least at that point. But I, I woke up and y'all were doing a press conference. So I checked my phone. I was like, oh, I wonder what happened. And then I was like, oh, 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 what a, what a, what an unfitting game uh, into a very boring game. Lots of fireworks there at the end. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy, chaotic, exciting finish for one of the worst football games ever played, especially the second half. I mean, the first half, both teams had their, had their moments. They both scored pair of touchdowns and, and the second half of that game until the final two drives were some of the worst football ever. Um still a dramatic reading here. This is the drive chart from the game starting in the third quarter. All right, here we go. <clears throat> punt, 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 punt. Punt, 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 punt. Turnover on downs, missed field goal. That's the second half. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of those punts were three and outs. I I don't. I, I'm sorry, eight of those punts were three and outs. Four drives. One of them was a four and out, another was a five and out. They had two four and outs and a five and out. And then a six and a seven. This was somehow a worse offensive game for Auburn than the Penn State game, which is saying something because Missouri is not Penn State on defense. And Auburn got a lot worse on the offensive side of the ball. You've seen the stats at this point. This is the worst offensive performance Auburn has had in a win since the 2006 uh, uh, Cotton Bowl against Nebraska, a game that was played in terribly cold weather and high winds. Uh, a very different what, era of college football also. It might it might as well have been in – it might as well – I was talking to some people about this last night. That game might as well have been in, would have been in 1806. When you talk about, like, how much college football has changed since then, here's the stat that – here's the stat that's crazy to think about. Auburn won – you can't say like, oh, well, they've lost so many games in a row to Power Five teams, any of that. Like that's, you know, they won the football game, and the guys after the game, especially the guys on defense, after the game, you win, you get to celebrate, you get to feel good. Yeah, I mean, you're you're the ones putting out, you're putting your bodies out of there on the line for it, and it means a lot to you. Like I get it. For everybody else. This was the most I think I, I I could bank that this was the most that a team didn't uh win the game as much as the other team lost it, maybe ever. Uh the post game win expectancy on um from Bill Connolly was like nine percent. Which means if you look at the stats, 
a team would have a 9% chance to win. And that's even with the turnovers that Auburn got. Auburn had 3.29 yards per play against Missouri. In three of their last six games against Power 5 opponents, in three of their last five games, three of their last six games against Power 5 opponents, three of their last five games against SEC opponents, Auburn has averaged less than 3.3 yards per play. The Texas A&M game, the Alabama game, and now the Missouri game at home. This is getting a whole, whole lot worse. I thought Auburn's defense, I mean, that, that Auburn defensive game yesterday, there were there were some mistakes, there were some miscues. That's going to happen. It's college football. What that defense put that out there on the field, though, on Saturday is enough to win a football game. It just is. You just got to have just a, a competent offense. Instead, though, outside of the first two drives of the game, one of them on a very short field, Auburn just didn't really have anything going for him. Yeah, I can see why somebody would fall asleep during that. What a like unbelievable digression over the last year. They're yeah. so bad. This offense has gotten incredibly bad. You have the departure of Bo Nix. You had the injury to Bo Nix late last season. But it's like, you, you just don't have anything else, really. Um, you may get some sparks from certain guys. We'll get into it deeper here, but it's, I mean, 135 passing yards and 82 rushing yards against a team that is just not good on defense. This is not a good defensive team. And you put up one of the worst performances an Auburn team has ever put up on offense, at least since the end of the Tuberville era. We're now getting to the point now where Auburn, you're you're calling back to, like, games in 2008 and really bad games in the post-04 Tuberville era. Like, that's, that's the neighborhood you're now in. That's the neighborhood you're now in. It was 2012, you know, where it was like, oh, this is, this is the worst since. I mean, 2012 Auburn, you know, they had some games where they put up some yards. They had some games where they had some games where they had about you know six, seven, eight yards per play. This Auburn team right now, I mean, it's, it's totally just steadily inept. gone backwards. It's totally yeah. inept. It is so bad. And I think I said digression. I guess the offense has been regressing. Re- regressing, but yes. Nonetheless, it's not getting better. And the response. In the post-game comments that I read, I don't know the context of them because I wasn't there, but the, the response seemed very odd to me. I think Justin Lee uh, said something to the effect of, it's either saving face or it's delusional. And maybe you don't feel that way, but as a fan, I feel that way. It's, it's one of those things where it's like if you're a coach, like, I don't know what you say after that, right? Like, you're trying to at least put up this air of, like, you know what? Hey, a win is a win. We got to fix a lot of stuff. But, you know, we, we're going to keep – like, I don't know, man. Because you don't want to you don't want to get into a spot where it's like, oh, nothing we're doing is working on offense. And we're in a situation now where your two most experienced quarterbacks are not playing and you're having to rely on a guy like Robbie Ashford. And Robbie Ashford did his best, I think. I also think there's a lot of that too, where it's like, 
A lot of these dudes are trying their best. Like, I, no one's sandbagging out there, it looks like. It's just not good. It's just not good. And a lot of that comes down to coaching because there's so many of these players that you had last year and the year before that that the output was not this bad. So, like, why did it get bad? What changed? Well, what changed is you've got two new coordinators and you've, you know, circled the wagons on your style and your way of doing things, and it's gotten remarkably worse. And so we'll, we'll dive in here right after this, but it's like it's like I said if you read the observations on, on Saturday night. It's like I said, take everything you felt in this game, Auburn fans. Think, take all of your frustration, your rage, your doubt, your despair. Take everything you feel about what should happen with this football program and what should happen moving forward and, and all your feeling. Take all of it and absorb it because it's valid. Because just because a kid missed a chip shot field goal and just because a guy dropped the ball on the like literal inch outside of the goal line doesn't change the fact that the rest of that, all that stuff that made you feel those things, all that's still valid outside of the fact that Auburn won the game and didn't lose the game. On Saturday, like they, it's three and one, it's one and zero oh in the SEC, but like, it, you know, every if 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 that kid hits the field goal, or if that guy scores that touchdown, everything you're feeling uh, feeling at that at that moment, you can still apply it to this right here because ninety nine percent of that game was that, and that's where this whole situation like. You had an opportunity for Auburn last week to reset the momentum. All that fell flat, got blown out. This week it was like, well, can you, can you at least right the ship? Can you, can you, you know, tread water? And you did, but like it's like the like the bare minimum of treading water, because outside of the first couple of drives on offense, you didn't have anything for them. You didn't have anything, and now you're about to play more talented teams. LSU comes into town this week. LSU's in year one. They've got they're breaking in a lot of stuff. They're doing a lot of they're a lot of new things, but um, it's LSU. The base level of talent that LSU has doesn't matter if Ed Orgeron or Les Miles or Brian Kelly or Painter were were coaching uh, LSU. There's a base level of talent you're going to have to deal with, right? And I think there was some of that on Saturday for Auburn. Like, yeah, LSU – I mean, I'm sorry, Missouri handed you this game. Literally handed you this football game. But especially on offense, Auburn just had talent. Like, your talent advantage is not going to be this way anymore. You got LSU. You got Georgia. You got Ole Miss. I'd like to know what the correlation to – this like statistical odds of winning the lottery are to having someone miss that field goal and simply drop a ball like that. That both of those things happening from where that field goal was taken and that nobody hit him. He just dropped it. You see from time to time, a player like, you know, they get hit diving for the pylon and the ball gets charred loose, but just dropping the ball because I guess you're trying to switch hands with it is a hilarious thing that I think might only be able to happen in Jordan Hare Stadium. Yeah, I, I, I don't. To say that you got lucky is obviously an understatement. 
Right, yeah. You did yeah, nothing yeah. in any way on offense and in the way of scoring points to deserve to win the game. I I, I mean, agree, even, I the, even with, the field goal, even the field goal at the end yeah. to the lead was a, a mulligan off of a guy jumping off sides. And, you know, Anders Carlson, I asked him after the game about his misses, and he said – yeah, he got out of rhythm, got out of tempo when it, when the guy went off sides. And, okay, yeah, he's like, I got to fix that. I got to – true, true. But, I mean, let's go back uh, even in overtime. You have an interception that was dropped to set up <laughs> the two shots at the field goal. And then they break a run, and the guy drops the ball at the goal line. Like, we have seen – another thing I wrote, we have seen Auburn win games – because of fumbles inside, like at the goal line, poor Laquan Treadwell. We all remember that game in 2014. Awful injury. Auburn wins that game. We've seen Auburn lose on missed field goals, short field goals too. Iron Bowls, there's other other examples of that. They got both of those in the game. In some of the shortest short margins. Of time. <laughs> yeah, in a short amount of time. With no time left on the clock on both of them, right? Game-winning field goal as time expired, overtime, where if it goes in, it's over. If either of those things go differently, ball game's over, you lose. You, to get both of them, and then it was in the shortest possible margins. Like, that guy, the, the run back from Missouri dropped the ball, like, as close as he could have gotten to scoring it without scoring it. Robert and then Griffin that field goal kicker was, like, talking about uh, how – it was like unclear, you know, it was so close. And of course, Robert Griffin, the third did get that wrong, but it was extremely close watching it live. I mean, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. It was super close. It's like, how could you, you know, if he does it a fraction of a fraction of a second later. Um, you get that. And then in a field goal kid misses a, 26-yard field goal. And I want to tell you how unlikely that is. This guy was the most accurate kicker in the SEC last year. Last season, Harrison Mevis... I'm not trying to call the kid out specifically. But last season, he was 23-25 at 25 from field goals, and he was 41-41 on extra points. So it was basically an extra point. He missed it. I, it was just... It was one of those games where it was like the universe was like, Missouri, you're not winning it. Sorry. It's like it was like punishment for the fact that you're in the wrong conference, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, because this was as much of a team losing a game than a team not winning a game that I've ever seen. And I may never see anything like it ever again. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the game recap edition. Appreciate you guys joining us. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless now awake in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. To add to the chaos of this game, uh, I mean, I don't know if it was stressful for you so much as funny. I saw that you, when the refs said congratulations on a great game, you tweeted out that literally the entire press box, it like just started howling with laughter yes 
Yes, it was it was really funny. And then on top of that, you had AP duty yesterday, which meant that you that were was really working fun. on a, cr- that was not <laughs> a crunch for a game that went into overtime and didn't yeah. make any sense. I'm sure so, it steered your, your narrative into a different direction. A little inside baseball here that you probably, most of y'all don't care about and you shouldn't. I, I string for the Associated Press when, you know, the AP has a writer, John Zener, who's great. Um, he got a little Twitter famous this week about asking about Zach Calzada. Um, <laughs> but Zener covers Alabama and Auburn, and it's like when both teams are at home, he goes to the higher-ranked team. You know, sometime in the past it has been Auburn, but most of the time recently it's been Alabama. So, goes out, you know, he's covering the Alabama game, and so I cover the, the home games. The thing for the AP is, is like they want a game. They want a story up as soon as the game's over, and you get like a ten minute window to work with. And it's like very straightforward, like three hundred word, like bang, bang, bang. Here's what happened, kind of lead. We got to put this out. This is going to go on ESPN.com. This is going to get sent to all the newspapers and is all your, the places. Is someone that just run like it. texting you in all caps, just being like, "Hurry up!" No, I'm glad that that wasn't the case because <laughs> I was. I, I would have been. I would have had an even bigger panic attack during it. But like. So the game ends, and I'm like, okay, well, that just changed everything that I thought about writing for this story. So I had to crank out 300 words in, like, I'm not kidding, like five minutes and send it, and I was like, man, I hope this works. And then an hour after I send that in, you got to fill it in with quotes and stuff like that and some more stats and kind of flesh it out a little bit so it can go up. That's a version you can see, like, yeah, if you go to ESPN right now and pull it up, that's those are my words uh, on the recap of that game. That was not fun. That was very, very stressful. Part of the reason why I enjoy doing things at the Observer and being my own boss is that I haven't been, and I wasn't on deadline hardly ever at the Athletic, so it was fun to kind of like, yeah, let's do that. Let's bring more panic back into my life because I'm lazy, you know, to a degree. And you get like everybody who read observations yesterday. It's like, yeah, I prefer writing about a game several hours later that that going out and it's like 3000 words of like literally everything I thought of about this game. To be fair in a season like this, I think most fans are okay with coming back to it. You know, if this were a yeah. different season, people might want to pour over it right away. But I think right now people are like, Oh, I'll get there. There's some people who are gluttons for punishment. And then there are, and then there are some people that are like, I'm not reading this right now. And it's like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's all right. It was actually appreciate, pretty like stunning observation. Reading how bad they were in some aspects it was uh, anyway, whatever. So we're here to talk. Obviously, Auburn seventeen, Missouri fourteen, an overtime game that was one of the most bizarre football games you'll ever see in your life. Not just the fact that, as we said in the intro, that Auburn was so close to losing it twice and didn't, um, but the fact that. You know, Auburn, I mean, this was – you got to start with the offense here. This is one of the worst games Auburn has played in, in a long time and still won on offense. Right off the bat, you could see, like, Auburn had to go to Robbie Ashford, T.J. Finley, you know, from the last time we talked. You know, T.J. Finley indeed ruled out with that shoulder uh, injury. Um, Zach Calzada's – apparently out for the year uh, with, you know, he's going to undergo shoulder surgery. Both of those guys dressed out on Saturday. They didn't really warm up or do anything. I I think that was kind of one of those things where you look at it and say, well, you're going to be here for your teammates and kind of support them kind of thing, which it looked weird to start, but I don't know. It was like like number 53 and 54 of like 
the top 100 weirdest things I saw Saturday in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, so you go with Ashford, you go with a run-heavier plan. Auburn ran 66 plays in this game, 45 rushing attempts, 21 passing attempts. As we know, it's not basically as cut and dry in that. There's some scrambles there from Robbie Ashford for sure. But Auburn tried to run the ball, and we said it last week. There's got to be some of it to it where you're like, I know it's not working. I know it's not going to work most of the time, but like you have to at least trust that something could happen with your ground game. And Missouri just packed the box and dared Auburn to do something about it. And it's the stat. I've already tweeted it out uh, on Sunday morning before we recorded this. But here it is in case you're not on Twitter, because not all of you are. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, Auburn running back Tank Bigsby had 62 yards after contact against Missouri. Here's the problem. He had 44 yards for the game. He was getting hit at, He was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage constantly. Um, in this game, Missouri stopped Auburn which according to and statistically stopping your runs are when they go for two yards or less stuffing them is, is zero or negative yards. 56% of Auburn's rushing attempts went for two yards or less. 56%. You have Tank Bigsby, you have Jarquez Hunter, you have a really athletic quarterback and a good runner in Robbie Ashford. 56% of your rushing attempts were stopped for two yards or less. Again, against a defense in Missouri that got ran all over by Deuce Vaughn in Kansas State two weeks ago. Now, Deuce Vaughn in Kansas State, really, really good at running the ball. They beat Oklahoma last night. They're good, and and they've got guys up front, and Deuce Vaughn's an awesome running back. Tank Bigsby's an awesome running back, too. This guy can't do anything out there with the way it's going. Like, he had 44 yards. He had 44 yards on 19 carries, and you come away from that game thinking, man, he had some he had some good runs. Like that's that's it's it's insane to think about. Auburn's offensive line is doing nothing up front to help them out. You take the sacks out of this game, Auburn averaged less than three yards a carry against Missouri. Against a Missouri team that was atrocious at stopping the run last season, for most of last season. And again, like I said, got ripped to shreds a couple of weeks earlier against Kansas State on the ground. This is we said it last week with the Penn State game. We said it again there. Auburn, Missouri had 12 tackles for loss in this game. Do you know how many tackles for loss Missouri had against Abilene Christian, an FCS team? I feel like with last the, week, the, the tone, the inflection in your voice is telling me this is not a statistic that I will be excited about, but please go ahead. Three. <laughs> they had four times as many tackles for loss against Auburn than they did against Abilene Christian. They had four sacks against Auburn. How many sacks they had against Abilene Christian? Zero. Auburn's offensive line is in one of the worst spots I've seen a position group be for Auburn in a very, very long time. And there's no help in sight, right? I'm, You're not getting anybody have, back. Like, nope. It's just it is what it is. And – you could have gotten a guy in the transfer portal, and people are going to be upset that that is. you were not rebuilding this offensive line in the transfer portal. It just is not going to happen. Just one other person doesn't change. LSU got so many transfers this offseason. 
under Brian Kelly, they're starting two true freshmen on the offensive line because they absolutely have to. Right? And, and and that's the kind of point. Meanwhile, Auburn's offensive line, it's rough. It's really, really rough. And then your center goes down, and you have to bring in another center. You do mix and match. It just none of the combinations up front worked. After the first two drives of the game, Auburn just had nothing going for him on offense. Unless it was a scramble that went for a good gain, or if maybe the running back popped something to the outside, or you got enough time to throw the ball downfield for a little bit. That was it. That was it. First drive of the game, Auburn goes 14 plays, 59 yards. You get a touchdown, right? You get you get exactly what you're going for there. Um, it takes seven and a half minutes off the clock, right? So you, you get that. That's 4.2 yards per play on offense in the, on the first play. The explosiveness, well, at least you got efficiency, right? At least you got that going for you. But on that drive, it's five yard, five yard, two yard, negative two yard, twelve yard, fourteen yard, seven, zero, six, two, three. Like it's not a high success rate on on some of those and not plays. Sustainable. Like you're not going to do that for a dozen drives in a game. Robbie Astor gets a nice draw play, scores a touchdown. It's a good run from him. Good play from from Auburn. They take over on a short field and four yard run, stuff for no gain. Third and six, throw the ball to Amari Kelly. Quick pass to Cannon Brown to get to the three. Tank Bigsby scores. After that, it's over. Literally nothing. It's over. After that, punt, punt, field goal attempt, miss. <laughs> punt, 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 punt. Turnover on downs, field goal in overtime. Auburn finished the game, like I said, Auburn finished the game, like I said, with 217 yards of offense. 83 of those yards. So... I'm not a math major, but let's see. Two, thirty-eight percent of Auburn's offensive yards in the game came on the first two drives. Eighty-two percent of their points came on the first two drives. They had thirteen drives in this game. Now there were opportunities. Andres Carlson, like, Auburn ran with 30 seconds left. They did a pretty effective, like, two-minute offense to get him in range to kick field goal. Honors missed it. Um, you had to – I mean, that first drive of the game, we didn't say this as well. That first drive of the game, Auburn had to convert fourth and one twice. And they did. And then it goes down to – let's just go ahead and get to it. The fourth and one call towards the end of the game. If you read the observations, you know, again, I'm repeating myself here. You know kind of how I, I stand on it for the most part. For, Painter, you were asleep during this, so I need to I need to re, re Someone has to hear this. Yeah. It's fourth and one. Auburn's got the ball. And it would have been... It would have been a 46-yard field goal for Carlson. Remember, he had missed one. Uh from 45 to in the second quarter he would later go on to miss a 44 yarder in overtime all in the same direction fourth and one Auburn is three of th- had been three of three on first uh, fourth and ones in the game they had made it work they convert it they basically get to control like hey we're going to be the last ones with the ball in our hands the analytics say that was a good decision it was a smart decision a lot of field goal probability and all that and I know 
I know not all of you, not all football fans and not everybody listening to this cares about any of that stuff. And that's fine. That's fine. Like that's, you know, I'm not one of those people who like, I like stats obviously. And I like numbers in, in sport, but I'm not one of those people who say, well, if you don't believe in it, in this, you're, you're, you don't know anything about football. Yeah. No, there are coaches who, <laughs> who are pretty good at it. And they're just like, yeah, some of that stuff's overrated and overblown. Like I get it. I a hundred percent understand that. But their win probability could have gone up drastically if they convert. They had been three of three. Brian Hartson said after the game, we thought we were going to get it. We thought we could get it. We had had that success. Here's the problem. On fourth and one, Auburn goes goal line package. Missouri puts everybody in the box. And they run Tank Bigsby up the middle. Behind an offensive line. Again, like I said, 56% of the time Auburn, even more than that, it's ended up being 34, well, not 34%. Yeah, 34% of Auburn's rushing attempts in this game went for zero negative yards. The literal, like, you had a one in three chance, basically, maybe a little bit more than that, of this not is going this is not going to work. And they run, and Missouri, Missouri pinches their edges, edges hard. They overplay the run for Bigsby down the middle. They get the tackle for loss. He tries as hard as humanly possible to get it. Doesn't work. It's turnover on downs. I personally, I'm not a coach. Okay. It's easy to second guess after the fact, but I would have gone for it. It's a good, it's a good call in that situation. To me, to me, I think because of Anders Carlson's struggles kicking the ball, you can feel a little bit about the, the fact like that made good sense. The play call and then the execution of the play call were so bad that if you're on the boat of what, what in the world was he doing, that's that's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. It's one of the worst play calls I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, you've got ammunition there. You got you, you got ammo. Um, I I I didn't. Uh, you run a toss play. You run something to the outside. You flare somebody out for a like. You you may score a touchdown there. Instead, you run the one play that, like, Missouri had the defense for. It's like they were playing Madden or NCAA, and they loaded the box, and they put they sent everybody in on a blitz, and then they guessed play, and they said, we're going to overplay the run down the middle, and it worked. And it's just, it's, again, if you remember playing the old NCAA games, playing Madden, it, it works every time if you, if you overplay it, and, and, and you're right. I wonder if the Missouri coaching staff is like, surely they won't run to the weakest part of their offense. You would think, right? Like I, I would they're like, they're like, well, maybe, maybe they'll do it, but more than likely they'll, they'll do something that at least gives them a chance of getting this fourth down. Yeah. And it, it, it didn't. And then on the other side of the field, Missouri got the play that they wanted. They got the downfield throw they wanted. They hit a one-on-one. And, and again, with the defense, like, at the end of the game, five yards of play, two touchdowns in the whole game. You got two turnovers. Hey, Auburn got a turnover. They got the one at the end, obviously. But Derek Hall getting an interception. Auburn gets gets to create one early. It starts a bit. It's a hot start for them. 179 passing yards for, for Missouri, 133 rushing yards for Missouri, five yards of play. 14 points. They went three and out. They went three and out six times. 
Six of the 12 times they could have gone three and out, they went three and out. That's that's winning football on defense. It's not perfect. Like, there's some plays where it looks like Auburn is still looking to the sidelines and trying to figure out what's going on on the play call or something like that, and boom, Missouri hits an outside run or a pass where a guy's open. Like, there's some alignment. There's some fit issues. That Some of that stuff we saw against Penn State was – still out there, especially in run defense. But the problem is for Missouri is that they don't have Nick Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. They don't have a really good running game. They don't have a good offensive line. And so they weren't able to capitalize on it quite as much. Um, you know, finish the day 4.7 yards per carry when you take out the sack. So, like, that's it's fine. But that's enough to – in, in, in 2022, that's enough of a defense to say you win you win that game. At home, you win that game. They got four sacks in this game. They got seven tackles for a loss. I thought the def- Derek Hall played an incredible game. Ekuliota played well. You saw stuff from Colby Wooden and Marcus Bragg, I thought, had some good plays uh, in the reserves. You got guys on the field and they made plays, you know, left and right. I thought the secondary, you had some, like, Nehemiah Pritchett getting that deflection to get in the interception. DJ James continues to look good in coverage, giving up some spots, on, spots you know, elsewhere some plays elsewhere, but that's good enough defense to win a football game at home in the SEC. It just is. It's not perfect. They got to tighten up some things. They gave us some big plays. Yeah, you can nitpick it, but it's like a B, it's like a B effort and a B for a team in the SEC at home against a team that's not as good as them. That should win you the game. You just got to put up some sort of competent offense. Problem was Auburn didn't. And then there's people who be like, well, this game was even worse than the Penn State game. And I'm like, Okay, it's worse in the fact that <clears throat> the offense looked worse. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I, I even wrote that. But you won. Again, you won. <laughs> you won. Non-loss. You didn't lose. You didn't lose. That's a better way of putting it. And number two, I thought the defense took a step. Like, they played better than they did the week before. And so it's just like, well, this was even worse than the – this was even worse than the, uh, the Penn State game. Um, I think that's intellectually dishonest, but – I don't know. Like, you know, I get I like I said, I mean, I said it up front like yeah, you could feel you can feel worse about it, about it after this game cuz I like, guess in Penn State you're like, well, you got thumped in that game. But at least in ter- like you had one half of the ball do their job. Special teams, I know Anders missed missed those opportunities. I know there were some scary moments there for for the return game, but go back and look at EPA at the end of the game. Auburn won like Missouri had better offensive EPA. They both were really bad, but um, <laughs> Auburn Auburn had better special teams EPA, special uh, better uh, penalty EPA, and then like turnovers. That that's when that won you the game. That won you the game. The fact that you were that you didn't miss a chip shot field goal, <laughs> and you hit a, a one. You got another chance at it, obviously, but you hit a decently sized one. That ah, was thirty nine yards. Uh, you know, in a pressure situation in overtime. And the penalties, like Auburn didn't turn the ball over and had four penalties for 26 yards. Missouri had more penalties in that game. Like the things that had been hurting Auburn and killing Auburn, they didn't do that as much. And like that won them the game, I think, in the long run. Like obviously the guy dropping the ball to the inch line ultimately won them the game. But like in the scope of the whole thing, but everything else on offense just nope. And it just. It continues to kind of be baffling 
some of the things that happen with this team in this game, in these games. Like, Coy Moore played really well. By far, best skill position player Auburn had in this game. He made a really good back shoulder catch, um, you know, late uh, to kind of set up what you know what was ended up being the turnover on downs. Um, he the turf monster got him on one run on one reception <laughs> that could have gone for a lot more. He had a good game, he had a really good game. I thought okay, you got Camden Brown out there for a quick catch. You got Amari Kelly out there, but then it's just like. Javarius Johnson led the league in yards per catch, and I don't, I don't think he got targeted. He, uh, PFF's got him down for one. I need to go back and watch and see when that was. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. You know your offensive line is not working, and you know they're blitzing a ton. It just never felt like whether it's the fact that that again I got to watch all, all the offense game, but like it never felt like Auburn had those. Like quick that quick stuff these these safety like something to help Robbie Ashford out, and maybe it was the case of Robbie just taking a snap and feeling like he had to run as soon as he as soon as he touched the ball. Maybe there's some of that to it, but like the quick stuff, the slants, the the things that can help it, especially if the defense is vacating people at linebacker, they're not there. Those those fixes aren't there. Auburn. Even with Robbie Ashford out there, even with the offensive line having a tr- a truly bad game in run blocking, with you know just everything going on, it just feels like they just kept saying, "Well, let's stick to our 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 style." There's got to be some there to me. I'm just I mean again I'm, I'm I'm a dude who has a newsletter and a podcast. I'm not a football coach. I've never been a football coach. I never will be a football coach. But to me, there's got to be something at some point where you have to adapt to what's going on and just saying like, okay, well, we've got to make the most of this. There are things that you can do on offense that help make up for the fact that your offensive line's not not getting it done. That you that you can't pass protect. That you're not run blocking effectively. There's things you can do, and I just don't see Auburn doing them frequently enough. And this is the reality of the situation. You are what you are at this point. The Calvary's not coming on the offensive line. It just isn't. You know, you could be down to your third center at this point, depending on how with, with what Tate Johnson is uh, and his status is. This is who you are. And this is a problem that Brian Harson inherited. This is years of not recruiting and um, – development not being up to par on the offensive line that really kind of the post-2017 Malzahn era was kind of defined by that. But you inherited that problem, and it hasn't seemed to get any better. hasn't seemed to get any better. Like, how have you improved off of it? Have you tried to fix it? And then, like, schematically, and what are you doing to kind of counter? What are, what are you doing to kind of make those things happen? Um. Because this is what you are at this point, man. Like, the two times you've played against teams that are not paycheck games, your offensive line is just hasn't been able to run block. Your, run, your, running backs are, your running backs are getting hit at or before the line of scrimmage on almost every play. And your pass protection is just you're leaking way too much in pass protection. Well, what are you going to do to counter? What are you going to do to get around it? That's what they've got to figure out, and – there's got to be some, there's got to be some ways to adapt. There has to be a, has to be ways to adapt, and I just I don't 
I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen Auburn really do that as much yet. Or if they do it and they get different guys on the field and they do different things, it doesn't last. It doesn't stick around. And, like, poor poor Holden Garner, man, got thrown into a really tough spot, and it's just like, welcome to the show. Uh, things are going to go really poorly here <laughs> on, on this snap. And he had to make the most of it. Fortunately for Auburn, Robbie Ashford was at least able to get back in the game. And he should be fine moving forward, as he said after afterwards. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any fixes. I don't think there's any easy answers, but there's got to be at least something different got to be done. I don't know if you just keep going over and over and over again. And right, and I'm sure they're doing things differently or trying to do things differently, trying to tweak adjust the canvas. I'll say this: the second half, Auburn's defense, like they had a tough second quarter against Missouri. Missouri walked down the field on them and scored twice. Second half, they shut them down. You know, the big play the big play to get to set up the field goal was literally the only really big thing, like the only time Missouri threatened. It was the last drive of the regulation. Again, that should be enough to win you games. The adjustments that they made at halftime on defense, they clicked. They worked. You know, last week in the second half against Penn State, they got wrecked after the break. They did that, but you, just, you never saw that counter. It just got worse. After the first quarter, it got worse and worse and worse for Auburn. Here's a, here's a here's a great point about this painter. Auburn's game-winning field goal drive, you know, in overtime. <laughs> that negative two yards, incomplete, incomplete. This technically goes as a three-yard gain in the a three-yard drive in the in the stat sheet because they got five free yards on the offsides penalty. They went backwards in overtime, almost threw an interception. Like you know that you know at this point that Robbie Ashford is not is not a super super polished passer. You know your offensive line is not providing enough push up front. You know you're not, okay. Well, how can you manage it? Can you manage it? I might just be rambling here for no reason. Maybe it's just like well, <laughs> just make the most of it. Play to your defense, and at least Auburn had their defense clicking uh, against Missouri because if if they play defense like they did against Penn State, Missouri rolls in this one easy. Defense won them that game, or at least gave them an opportunity to win them that game. And again, it almost went very poorly at the very end because some of the fits and something's, something's going on in the running game that teams are able to kind of break break these that you just shouldn't be able to. It is maddening to watch this team struggle struggle to execute because this is, what, the worst team you're going to play in the conference? Yes. Like, at least in this particular game, your talent should have gotten you by, and I guess – Technically, it did. Harson. it seems like the mentality of this staff was we're going to scheme, develop. Certainly parts of the staff seem uninterested in <laughs> recruiting. That's like, so you're not getting the scheme or development part. And in a game in which it's the closest thing to a layup you've got in terms of the opposing team's talent, there are no answers they don't seem to have answers. And like you said, maybe there's no coach that could do much with this. However, this was your best opportunity to look like like you have a pulse at all. And you didn't. Yeah, on offense you did. You got worse on offense. And 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 yes, you are right. Holding a team to 14 points even if there was some some breaks that went your way is plenty to to win the game. It is. Yeah. I think the context of it is okay, Missouri's not very good. 
and the defense still is has its lapses, and it's like, all right, well, what is this going to look like against Georgia and Arkansas and Ole Miss? And I think we all know what it's going to look like. You are what you are at this point, and it's just kind of managing it. You know, when you say you're treading water, that's the thing. Like, this was, this was treading water, but it's still treading water when you just have, like, a little bit of your mouth above the surface where you can, where you can get a little bit of air. Yeah, like, the pool is five feet deep, and you're – Five one, you've stepped out there, and now you're just kind of. You can tell if you don't move uh, in a certain direction, it, it's going to be bad for you. And I don't know, like you said, in terms of the offensive line, it simply cannot get better. It won't happen. You got to manage. You got to manage what you're doing at this point, and I, I don't see it. I really don't. I really don't see it. I guess that's why there's a lot of people that were looking at Auburn and Brian Harson and this coaching staff and just being like, oh, this might be it. This might be over. The win happens, but all the feelings that got you to that point are still valid. It wasn't like, and then they rallied in the second half, and it all was all, no, 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 the rally came in the first half. I don't know. From your perspective, I couldn't really tell. Did it seem to you like after the first quarter, Auburn's urgency just kind of wasn't there anymore? It just kind of went flat in the second half? I just felt like they got frustrated because they knew they couldn't do anything. Like, I, I do think that's a legitimate reason to... But be... they had done it on the first couple of drives. They at least had some success. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's a off-base thing to say. You know, you feel like you're going out to do something that you know you can't do. And so, of course, you're going to go out there and be like, well, okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fair way of saying it. We'll uh we'll 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 wrap it up here in a little bit. First, uh, we got to take care of some business. Uh, but yeah, I'm just wild stuff, wild 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 stuff. Stupid game. Uh, but you know, it's kind of weird how in Jordan Hare, it's just like, oh, we're just gonna watch something really dumb happen this mm-hmm. week. It's almost like a guarantee at this point. And it is nice that they will finish the season with an SEC win. You can put an asterisk next to it. Whatever, but it won't not, be 2012. Right, you you will have a you win at in league play. Guaranteed that you have guaranteed and it will not be the absolute worst season you've ever. I had. don't know how they're going to double their SEC win total from this point on. However, what I mean, all right, it's college football. Weird stuff happens. It's just a lot of weird stuff's going to happen. Uh, I don't know Auburn. I think Auburn like used up all of their. <laughs> You Crazy got a good mailbag happened. question, um, and this, that's not quite what happened with the whole turnover thing, but like in, in a sense, you got a very yeah. well-timed turnover. Yeah, and you got a, that, the first one ended up being significant as well because it led to Auburn's other touchdown. Yeah, for sure. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Um, I know these, even though this is a win, I know these are not the most popular podcasts in the world when – Auburn plays as poorly as they do, but we appreciate those of you who are listening. We appreciate those of you who subscribe to the Auburn Observer. If you subscribe to the Auburn Observer, thank you. Um, you guys are uh, really the the MVPs, uh, and I mean, you help us do this uh, for a living, and that is really really cool because this is all independently funded. Funded. Wow, really bad, really bad. Uh, words there from me um i think yeah, i think it a- should be noted that the last two mailbags you've written have been massive even though auburn uh, is very bad at football right now there is still interest and i know you said these aren't the most popular 
podcast, but also we can see the numbers. You're still listening. Maybe maybe yeah. there are more of you out there that are paying piggies. I don't know. Perhaps. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to The Observer, you get twice as much of this podcast. So you get these review, these recap podcasts for free. You also get our preview podcast where we look ahead to the next week's game. We usually have a guest on of some kind this week. Uh, hopefully, we will have our friend Brody Miller from The Athletic on to talk Auburn LSU. Um, you can do that. There's also the Friends of the Program podcast with Painter, Dave, and Pablo. I'm sure there's going to be another one sometime in in the near future. You can only get that if you're a subscriber, so auburnobserver.com. You also get all my newsletters, Film Room Tomorrow, uh, Mailbag, like Painter said, later in the week, uh, a lot of analysis. And uh, we'll – I'll hold this for the end. I'll I'll hold this for the end because you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end on a lighter note. Um, I've made the executive decision because I don't know how much more we can talk about that football game other than it's just like, wow, that was really terrible and like I don't know how it's gonna get any better anytime soon. Um, so got that going for you. <laughs> but you can also help us out for absolutely no money down by doing one simple thing. Painter, what is it? Rate, review, subscribe. That's right. Rate, review, subscribe. Many of you are doing it. We love it. Let's keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Come on. It takes like 20 seconds. Go to the Apple Podcast app. Search the Auburn Observer. Scroll down to the Auburn Observer. Click write a review. Say, give us five stars. Say something nice. We'll read it on the air because we're vain people. And also, we like shouting you out. We got a new review this week from Edwin BC 75 Says, this is the year. Justin and Painter are killing it with the football and the basketball podcast in the film rooms. They're focused and having fun. I wouldn't be surprised if they win a major journalism award. That's how you do it, folks. That's how it's, it's a perfect, perfect review. And we appreciate you guys doing that because, again, it gets more eyeballs on the product. It gets more ears on the podcast. Uh, it just helps us out in, all, in, a, in a lot of ways. All right, announcement time. Da, 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 da. Here we go. Tomorrow. Be on the lookout tomorrow. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jfergusonau. If you're subscribed to the uh, newsletters, you will get this as well. It'll put it at the top. Our new T-shirts from Home Field Apparel will drop. They will be here. You will be able to order them. I will send out the link on uh, on Monday. So uh, they're really, really cool T-shirts. Um, they are a nice blue, nice navy blue. It's got And, and it's different from normal Home Field shirts. And the fact that it's not a big center a design, but we went with a kind of a kind of a chest a chest design, smaller look, just because it looked better for the format. Appreciate Connor and the gang for helping us out with that, uh, and we are going to release them. We were going to do it Penn State week. We were working out some things logistically, um, and then it was like, ooh, might want to wait until maybe after things are a little bit brighter around here. Um, and so. Here they are after a non-loss for Auburn football. We are putting them out on uh, on Monday. So you can start ordering them at homefieldapparel.com. Now, I did say last week, for those of you who are um, Observers Unlimited subscribers, um, we've kind of been waiting on trying some stuff with that. Long story short, some logistical things have kind of popped up. You, will, you guys will get an email, those of you who are uh, Unlimited subscribers, you guys will get an email on Monday morning. Um, and I'm going to tell you kind of what's going on, on on that front. Um, but you will have an option to purchase those t-shirts as you know, everybody will, will have, I'll include a link in that as well. So, um, yeah, just some things we were trying to sort out and, uh, but we're going to make sure that, uh, that you guys who, uh, give us a little extra, uh, for your, um, 
give us a little extra for your subscription that you guys will get um, thanked, compensated in some way, uh, uh, even though it doesn't look like doesn't look, we'll try. It doesn't look like uh, just logistically we were able to kind of work out discounts or anything like that. But I, you will get something. I will. I I will promise you that uh, because you guys and there's about it's kind of cool. It's it's like a hundred and forty of y'all somewhere somewhere around that. Like it's really really cool that you guys went above and beyond. And so we're gonna give back to you in a little small way to show our appreciation um, here with this uh, with this mer- or around this merch drop. So look for an email on um, on Monday morning for that. All right. Yeah, homefieldapparel.com also. They're just a sponsor of our show. You can go buy our T-shirt there, uh, but you can also buy a lot of other cool T-shirts as well and hoodies. It's getting to be hoodie season. It's a little cooler here. I'm not. It's not fully on board with it yet, but maybe it is up in parts unknown. Are we? Yeah, are we there? Crew neck season, are you feeling it? It's been marvelous. It was like 93 degrees on Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday it was like, in the 60s at night we're getting some 40s at night here soon uh, loving life here i'm a fall yeah. boy i'm throwing on it, all my oranges are, yeah you are a fall boy that's for sure yeah you can get it at home field apparel you can get get ready for hoodie season you can get ready for crew neck season there's a lot of good stuff there um by the time you get your order i will say this by the time you get your order it'll probably be around wherever you are in the world it'll be time to wear them um that's a good thing about it you can check it out uh, at homefieldapparel.com. You get 15% off your first order at Homefield if you use the promo code OBSERVER. And uh, you want to wait for that link uh, for our Observer t-shirts. You can do that as well. Uh, my pick of the week for Homefield is... Here, here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different. Here we go. I'm going to go with the Navy Crew Neck with one of my favorite designs that they have. The Navy Crew Neck of Auburn. Uh, the Auburn Arch Font. Aubie sailor hat putting his arm through the rim like vince carter that's the one to go and that's why homefieldapparel.com 15 percent off use promo code observer observer shirts dropping tomorrow watch out for the links that's why we're going to end on a high note because painter this week basketball practice back underway tuesday uh i believe is the start of that there will be some more basketball content coming to the observer here in the next few weeks we talked we didn't get to talk about it last week in our preview podcast with Bennett, but I didn't want to discuss it now. Bruce Pearl's pretty high on his team, and this is becoming an annual tradition, but like it's kind of crazy to think about because this Auburn team loses Jabari Smith, one of the most talented players that will ever step through Auburn. Uh, they lose Walker Kessler, one of the best, uh, again, also one of the best players to ever step through Auburn, and especially on the defensive end. And... Pearl's talking about potentially being better on defense because they can be more physical. They talk about the depth. They feel like they're going to have a true two deep at every position this year. And right now, it doesn't look like there's going to be a ton of guys that are like, oh, well, that guy deserves a a ton more minutes than the other dude. Um, The depth and the versatility and the flexibility of this team, we saw it on display in Israel. I think it's only going to just build here in these next few weeks, but there's going to be there should be a lot of excitement about this team. I think last year is like, wow, Jabari Smith could be really, really good. Walker Castle is going to be fun to watch, and you've got that with like Treyor and and Janai Broom and and you know Chance Westry and Trey Donaldson. Like there are newcomers to kind of make it make it happen, but like you're not hitting the complete reset button this year in the backcourt, which makes which should make for a lot more a lot more fun and a lot more kind of consistency on offense. 
Like, there's a lot of criticism. This was a conversation I saw on Twitter earlier this week. There's a lot of criticism going around about, you know, from nationally. It's like, well, it's hard to pick Auburn to be highly because you can't trust their guards. It's like, yeah, well, the guards didn't play well in the postseason last year. But the guards helped them get to where they were, right? Like, you know, like, it's hard to it's hard to look at Wendell Green Jr.'s numbers from last season to be like, well, that guy just couldn't do it for you. You can't trust him. You can't he can't you can't win with that guy. Or like Kate, those games where Katie Johnson took over, say, like, I can't do that with him. Watch Zepp Jasper play defense and be like, mm. you know, it just they had a tough time finishing the season. I pretty much everybody did for Auburn, especially in that Miami game. What did they look like after another year? It's just the versatility. I think this team's gonna be more physical. They're going to be be deeper. They, they're going to be afford to be deeper and, and more uh, physical because of that depth. And, yeah, like, you had a straightforward, like, Jabari Smith is your four, Walker Kessler is your best five. This is how it's going to work. This is how it's going to go. You're going to play those guys a ton of minutes. This year it's probably going to be more of this guy's going to play X amount of minutes. He can play this position. He can also play this position. He can play this position when that guy's on the floor. That guy can play on this position when that guy – like, there's going to be a lot of that to it. As I wrote in the in the newsletter last week about basketball, like, Bruce is really excited. He sounds really excited about his team. And all the things that you – he's like, hey, it's September. I'm not worried about anything yet. But, like, the chemistry and the depth, he seems pretty pumped about it. Love having Charles Barkley hang around. Love his candor, especially when asked about – uh. Not taking other jobs. (laughs) He has been very public about whether it's ESPN or, I mean, for the most part, other gigs. I think he seems to like the fact that TNT mostly asks not a lot of him and pays him well. Yeah, and apparently, like, you know, he had that thing where the Saudi golf tour was going to give him a lot of money, and he was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. Like, seemed to consider it, but nope, no, 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 no. Yeah, there's that. Uh, and, And Charles... They can't afford Auburn can't afford him to be their AD, which is probably true. Which is probably really true. Um, also, that man like goes fishing and golfing and seems to live one of the best lives imaginable. Imagine going from doing that every day to whatever it is the next athletic director will be dealing with. No, thank you. Also, like I heard Char- Charles Barkley do like a subway ad read. Like, he just kind of, like, teased it at the end, like, when we were talking to him. Mark Murphy, man, we know we love Mark Murphy. Shout out Mark Murphy inside the Auburn Tigers, the god, uh, Mark Murphy. He got he got Charles to basically talk about Subway. <laughs> like, because it was like this. He was like, yeah, I saw you on TV last night when I was I was heading to bed. It was like, you were trying to sell me a sandwich. <laughs> and Chuck goes, and, and Chuck goes, he goes, oh, it's the Eat Fresh Refresh. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> So good, and yeah, having Charles around is 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 great. And, was it Spencer uh, Hall yesterday online who was like saying, "I want to hear Charles Barkley try oh, it to was pronounce"? Ryan. It was Ryan, yeah, Celebrity Hot Tub, Ryan Eddie. He was like, <laughs> it was like, yeah, I want to, I want to hear uh, Charles Barkley say the the like all the big because he said <laughs> in one of those sentences, he's like he says Genoa or Genoa. Uh, I don't know, I'm not Italian, like. He's like, I, 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 talking about salami or something for a Subway commercial. And he's like, I want to hear him say all of them. And my favorite one is like, can you imagine Charles Barkley just taking a deep breath, inhaling, and going, Reykjavik. Like, <laughs> like, that, like that, would be, that would be great. How many syllables would there be in that? At least seven. Other thing, listen to this. I, I wanted to bring this up. Bruce Pearl mentioned that 
So they have this tournament, and this is their fundraising tournament for the basketball program. Like they do the one earlier in the year where it's you know for the um, for the charity, the initiatives that they, they do. This one is for like, hey, y'all, we need more money. Y'all come, do- y'all come donate and have and play golf and spend money and help us be a better basketball team. How about this? Charles is there last weekend. He's in the town for the Penn State game. Stays around Monday. It was part of this part of this uh, weekend. According to Bruce Pearl, they raised $35,000 just so someone could play with Charles Barkley. Somebody paid $35,000, like I guess they auctioned it, to have the chance to be in the group with Charles Barkley. And look, the people who are doing these things are like, they have more money than I ever will in my life. But then you start sitting there thinking like, wow, like. You paid like two thousand dollars, almost two thousand dollars a hole <laughs> to hang out with Charles Barkley, and it's like. But then again, like, I mean, if you got if you got that kind of money and you can you can spend it, like, I don't know. It's a, you 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 have that. You'll have that story forever, though. You know, <laughs> like that's the other thing. It's just like you'll have that memory because that you know that dude is like a ton of fun playing golf with. Got to be right. I think it is hard for us to imagine spending that much money because we don't have that much money, but. It's no problem if you can budget for it. And you're right. Like, it's not like you're going and talking to some wet log. Like, he would actually be, if you're going to spend that much money to go golf with a celebrity, at least, I think he is, like, top ten funniest people on the planet. Yeah, I I think he is one of the funniest people I've ever seen on TV. So much of it, too, he's, is he's just, perfect for television. you know, he's quick. And, and and he is so willing to laugh at himself in an industry full of people who take themselves seriously. Way too seriously. He's he, he does a good job of that. Moral of the story, you can pay a lot of money and hang out with Charles Barkley. You can also pay a lot of money and watch this Auburn basketball team this year because um, the tickets are gonna be just as expensive, but also they're they're gonna be they're gonna be worth the price of admission. I think this this has the potential to be a really fun team and the fact that like Top level talent you don't have quite as much of, but I think you're going to be deeper. Like I said, you're going to be physically a little bit different. I think you'll be able to play a lot more at a pearl style of basketball, preferred style than they have last season. And look, last season, like you had a chance to get Jabari Smith, you have a chance against Walker Kessler. Get those dudes to figure it out. I mean, you won an SEC title with that. Like, there's very little room for error. But yeah, it's it looks really really tough. That that schedule is going to be. I mean, there's just so many really good teams in the SEC this year. At least on paper, we see that they're going to be really strong. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and that gets started. But if you're listening to this on Monday, Auburn basketball starts in six weeks. If you're listening um, on Sunday, you're, I think it's 43 days away at this point, so that's how math works. Uh, so, yeah, Auburn basketball is around the corner. There will be more stuff about that coming up in the Observer here in the next few weeks. So it won't all be – Whatever the world, whatever in the world we're talking about with this football team at the moment, um, but wanted to kind of end it on a high note a little bit and get people. Say, you know what? Maybe you don't want to read or hear about a whole lot of football right now. Can I interest you in some preseason basketball content for the defending <laughs> SEC champions? Hey, all right. Like I said, our observer T-shirts. Look for the links uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I'm going to post them in the newsletter. Um, like I said, our observers, unlimited subscribers, will give something out to you guys. You'll have a special email sent out to you guys uh, explaining some stuff. You'll get that uh, tomorrow morning as well. And then uh, we'll be back later this week with our guest. Hopefully, 
I mean, I don't I haven't even talked to him yet, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully Brody Miller will be able to talk to us at some point. I have reached uh, out. What day would you like me to ask him to come on? Oh, are we going to plan the plan the podcast right now? We don't uh, have to do that. We can yeah, circle we, back. We can circle we can back. Do, we put can a pen in it. We, yeah, we'll put a pen in it. Film room tomorrow. Mailbag later in the week. Send in your questions. A lot of uh, coverage from Brian Hartson's press conference and other things uh, throughout the week for Auburn heading into LSU week. And then, like I said, some more Auburn basketball stuff coming up in the near future. That'll do it for me. Painter, final thoughts. Points taken or giving, whatever it is, uh, for LSU could be a toughie. Hey, Vince Blake, why do you do this game? What's it all for? What do you want? In a word, chaos. Stick around because Doug's our guest on another game show. Does your housekeeper have a son? No, she doesn't. He's 16 years old. Good night.